Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Narsen. Our first World Tour level stage race in Europe for the season. Paris-Nice, stage one of eight. You might have seen my preview before Benji's been flat out with work all week. We then had Strade yesterday. Thank you for all the support on the Strade podcast yesterday. That's crazy. But the the profile for this first stage, an interesting one. Not a basic, straightforward sprint stage from Saint Cyr Le Col to Saint Cyr Le Col. They do two laps, about 85Ks each for 166K stage. And it's like I call it a Britannia classic light stage. Lots of up and down climbs of like 400 meters at 8%, 1200 meters at 5.3%, 700 meters at 7.1%, the Cote de Meridon. Intermediate sprint points at the top of those punchy climbs. I think the Chateau 4 climb. So Matthews and Tash Benoit were going for those sprint points today. And then the finish was 500 meters of like false flat uphill in the last K, in the first 500 meters of the last K. And it was a little bit uphill before then. And then three to four percent drag in the in the last five hundred meters. So gotta be careful not to go too early. Um, so an interesting parkour, not a straightforward sprint stage, which is what I like about it. Before we get into the some of the riders here, the sprinters for today, I want to mention our show partner, LaCole. You already know about them, www.lecol. Well, I mentioned on the Strade pod, I think yesterday or the day before, there was a 10% deal for first-time buyers. Well, I think there's a day left on this. I don't know when the weekend finishes in Europe. You're obviously behind Australia. Um, but for the rest of the weekend, there's 20% off the pro bundles on the LaCol website, um, which is a pretty good deal. And there's the Strava Club as well, which you can go and check out where there's constant deals throughout the year through the Strava Club, where if you do a certain number of Ks or a challenge, you unlock a discount code, um, which you can apply in the LaCol store. So go and check them out at the link below to support the podcast. But Benji, run us through who are the sprint candidates for today's stage because it is it was so many. Yeah, a lot of names at the start here. I think that from the big guns, we know that in the UAE tour, we spoke about the two best sprinters in the world, Caleb Ewan and Sam Bennett. Now, Caleb Ewan was not here, so Sam Bennett was obviously one of the favorites for the sprints. We also had Demar here from last year's, yeah, one of the best sprinters of last year. We spoke about that as well in the UAE tour. Akeman also here. He's got a different lead out though on this time because Jordi Mays is now leading him out instead of the lead out we saw at um, at the UAE Tour. But yeah, we'll see if that changed anything. Nizzolo was here, but his lead out Paluki didn't seem to have the best day of his life. Those are definitely one of the big numbers. Uh, Case Ball as well. Jumbo Visma is not here with a sprint. They're focusing all out for a GC like you mentioned in the preview. Miss Pedersen here for the sprints. We've got Nasseb Buani. And I think those are the biggest names I can really name, Matthews perhaps, but yeah, we'll go into that in a second. Christoph, also a name I'd, I'd like to name, and I dare to say that's the end, perhaps Philipson as well. So uh, 
who did you have your eye on if you saw the profile? Who did you think was going to win this this first edge? I thought it was possible, but I'm very, very unlikely that a Magnus Court, Michael Matthews-style rider would win. I think it just wasn't quite difficult enough, this finish, or long enough. You know, 500 metres at 4 3 4%, that's still going to be fine for DeMar and Sam Bennett. I thought Quickstep might send Cataneo late. That didn't eventuate, but it was a pretty sleepy stage. Uh, to be honest, in the first, at least the first half of it until the yeah. last 50 Ks. Who was it in the breakaway, Benji? It was Dub, Fabien Dubé, the French rider for Team yeah. Total Direct Energy. So when it's one rider in a breakaway on a not a stronger team, not on a world tour team, the peloton just chills out. So they did the first circuit around, around Saint-Cyr-le-Col. Uh, pretty, it was pretty chilled. People were relaxed. Um, and then it was, what, 50 Ks in, Benji, that Philippe Gilbert attacked just randomly and who was on his wheel i couldn't pick out who was, he had a, he brought a lotto sedile rider with him yep stefano aldani we saw him a few ah, weeks okay. ago as well and i think he worked in that stage range besesh that wellens won a lot for wellens in that breakaway he uh he was seen as a sprinter early on in his career but seems to veer off into climbing as well now pretty overall all-round rider uh pretty good domestique and i think he can do well in a breakaway as well in the future but all in all, this attack with Gilbert, Oldani, Lawless, and I think two other people didn't really end up doing too much. They caught Duby, and eventually this group was taken back once the peloton started speeding up slowly but surely again. But there was another like move quite similar a few, a few minutes later, not too far from the finish line. I think then 30 kilometers or 35 kilometers from the finish line, we had a move with Sonic Anderson, Turns, Cataneo, De La Cruz, Latour, Gautiers, Baragli, and... The thing about this move is this has quite a few names that are in teams of sprinters. Student Crownison for Case Ball's team turns from Espedes and Cataneo for Bennett. So those teams are not going to actually do the chasing. It was all down to Muhammad. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, tell me. I, th- I think those guys were kind of confused in that break. I think some of them, they'd pull. Who I don't know who the UAE rider was. They'd pull and then they would sit in for a bit. Turns, turns was definitely there to block and to sit in. Uh, in that group, and I think Cataneo was too. But I feel like the Alperson didn't know what they were doing, Benji. Like I saw the Alperson guy pulling a bit. I then saw when a break went up the road with the FDJ trains and Quickstep trains there, Alperson pulling again. And I was like, but they've got Philipson. So what, what what's their plan for yep. today? I was kind of confused by that. So who was chasing that large group? Because it was, it was a nice move for Quickstep and uh, Trek Segafredo. It was Buhani's team, Arkea, that was doing it. And eventually that slowly but surely came back as the front group was a bit confused. They didn't do too much. Shouldn't crown this and tried with a solo move on the left side of the road, but was an instant reaction by, I think, one of those riders. I don't know which one it was, to be honest, by heart. But all in all, that move came back. But unfortunately for uh, for you and the entire uh, oceanic region of the Earth, there was one rider in the peloton. Cycling that, fans globally. Yeah. Cycling fans globally weren't cheering this time around when uh, Richie Port hit the deck. And I don't know yeah. what the reason was, but he was a soul rider that hit the deck. So I, I don't know what the reason was. Perhaps he got a little budge and then he was on the ground or he uh, he personally made a mistake. We don't know. We can't really speak about it. But it looked first like he was standing up. Dennis was waiting for him, crept on the bike. And it looked like he was getting off quite easily again. And like a few minutes later, he stepped off the bike again 
and looked to be uh, was it feeling his hip or his knee? I don't know what it was. No, but- I, I, I thought he was done. I thought he was done straight away. Yeah. The minute I saw the crash, yeah, he the way he was like hunched over and hobbled, and he's like this, these GC guys mm-hmm. are so skinny, and when they hit their hip, it they just fragile. They can't pedal. They can't pedal like, um, and yeah, I, I don't know what happened. And I hope he's okay. I hope it doesn't affect the rest of his season. You've got to say the peloton was just starting to accelerate. I think um, they were starting to, and maybe in the last thirty k's, start to focus on the finish and the intermediate sprint. I, yeah, we didn't see exactly what happened, but it just keeps happening for him and it, throughout his career. And it, it can't it can't just be bad luck. Um, maybe it is, but yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just really unlucky for him. And in, in this instance, maybe, but. Positioning-wise, Ineos had Gegenhardt at the front a lot more and Port was at the back. We hadn't seen him for ages throughout the stage, which was kind of unusual. Uh, I thought they'd have him right at the front with Gegenhardt rather than having him split behind with Dennis and co. So I don't know what happened and maybe we'll hear further about it. But it's not like hopefully he's not, you know, sometimes these low-speed crashes, if it was at the, at the back, everyone's braking and he's just the last to break and you fall on your hip. They can be quite bad, even if it's at 20, 25 k's an hour rather than a high-speed crash. They can still be bad. So I'll be waiting to see. Yeah? I fell at 5 k an hour and broke my elbow two years ago. So yeah, exactly. a crash can be worse. Yeah. So um, that's a shame. But, yeah, just bad luck or crashes just seem to continually follow Port around. So Gegenhart, it seems, is their main GC focus now, Ineos. It's a big dash to their GC ambitions, losing Port, whether he was going to be a helper or a co-leader with Gagan Hart. But, yeah, this finish, Benji, got this intermediate sprint at Chateau 4. Michael Matthews had taken second in the intermediate sprint, the first one on the first circuit. It really started to heat up with Durbridge putting on the pace in those rolling climbs before that intermediate sprint. If you go and look at the profile, it's up and down, up and down, pretty much all the way into this finish. Um, It's not an easy finish. And then why do you think... Oh, Orica or Bike Exchange were going for the intermediate sprint points, Benji. Were they trying to get Matthews bonus seconds to get yellow today? Are they going for the points jersey? Are they hoping he has a good TT on uh, Tuesday? Why are they pursuing it? Well, actually, I didn't know what was happening. So the first thing I did when I saw it was I looked up the profile of the rest of the stage of Pyrenees because I so didn't do research beforehand, didn't watch your preview fully. Oops. My back. <laughs> I mentioned the location of every single intermediate sprint point in the eight stages on the preview. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I should have been there for you. But, so, uh, yeah. How do uh, you have a job? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was looking into it, and it really didn't look like it would be anything GC-related. Perhaps in the first three days, take the leader jersey after three or so days. But after that, it's gone fully for him. Point classification, it's very nice. Come on. Like, perhaps he cares about it, but I don't think it's the main goal of Matthews, the point classification at very nice. So, I, I don't know. I can't tell you what the reason is. Can you? I, I think he's going I think he's going for the leader's jersey, getting it either today or after the TT, because he can do a short, a good short oh. ITT. Tash Benote is actually going for the bonus seconds for GC, um, I'm pretty sure, was his reason for doing that. Uh, well, maybe, yeah, who knows. But that was the intermediate sprint. 
Matthews didn't continue on with it. There was kind of a they, – they put a lot of pressure on the peloton going really hard up that intermediate sprint. We had 16 Ks to go from that point and that putting the pressure, putting the pressure on – instigated a lot of attacks afterwards. Matthews did sit up. He seemed actually kind of tired, and I thought that was that didn't bode well for his final sprint. And then, yeah, there were big attacks, and eventually they were all brought back. Benji's already already mentioned them. We've kind of done it in the wrong order. doesn't matter um, because this was coming down to a bunch sprint, uh, regardless of all the mischief beforehand and the crashes. It was just an interesting way to get to a bunch sprint, which is what I liked about this stage design. Even though we got there, it was not boring along the way. Um, so we're getting into the final drag. FDJ have been dominant all day. They're on the right-hand side. Israel startup nations start moving up, Benji, with uh, Zabel leading out for Greipel, I think. Zabel's his last man. Arkea Samzik were there. Bora Hansgrohe didn't really have a complete train or they weren't dominating the front. Trek were dominating the front for a fair while, but... Um, kind of went missing a little bit in the last two, two and a half kilometres. Jumbo Visma kept Roglic relatively safe until the last three kilometres. Uh, but quick step, Benji, what do you think their plan was? Um, was it standard let FDJ burn themselves early with Scotson on the front third last man way too early at 1,800 and then come up late? Was, do you think that was quick step's plan? I don't know. It, I got a bit scary for them during the sprint because like in the last five kilometers they were not really up there in the first 25 positions and we saw yeah, Merku yeah. and Bennett on opposite sides of the roads at certain points and it was only in the last like three kilometers where I saw Merku and Bennett come together with each other and then slowly but surely move up in the peloton and I think if if Merku wasn't there to bring Bennett to the front he would not have been in a position to sprint even today um but yeah we had a crash as well which then forced Koenig Quickstep to have Sawley Bennett there because uh, I don't know who crashed, but somebody crashed very very close to the front of the peloton, I think 10th or 11th position, and that caused Merku to have to break like extremely fast. He was in a standstill and obviously he couldn't really do much in the last kilometer down for Bennett. So that's really the, the Koenig situation here. But one thing I want to also dive into is DSM because I found it so weird how they have an eight-man, no, seven-man train, I think it is these it's days. It's what they do. We, yeah, we were talking but, about it live, me and you on Discord. Yeah. It, it ruined <laughs> they did the same thing at the tour last year. Like, in the tour, <laughs> it did work because, like, there was no, like, for some reason in the tour, it worked because it got them to the front a lot of the time. Sort of worked. Sort of worked, yeah. They didn't get the victory. <laughs> so, yeah, not really ideal. But right here, they were on the right side of the road in the peloton, and the road narrowed. So if you're like with eight people and the road narrows, seven people again, <laughs> then you're going to have to move to the left. But obviously there's not enough space if there's like four trains next to each other. So your riders have like a few spaces in between then. And at that point, the ball is like 75% into the peloton. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Then you need to come back through the riders that you're stuck behind right now with every single one of those riders to move to the front. And at a certain point, I think they used the opposite side of the road to try and fix that, which kind of worked. But yeah, it's it's not handy. Let's let's end it with that. But what team do you think was the strongest when it comes to the lead out in the last section? None of them, really. So what happened was FTJ were on the front too early. I knew with 1800 when they just had Scots in there. And then it you know, I was doing the quick maths and uh, I thought, well, if Scotson's here with 1,800 and he was already kind of blowing, then 
Um, I don't know where Guaranieri is going to be. That crash may have disrupted things. I can't see Christoph in the finish list anywhere, nor Case Bowl. So I think Case Bowl and him were out of position. But yeah, Demar was on the was second wheel. We're into the last six hundred meters. His last leadout man's already kicking. Remembering this is a uphill drag, so you want to be going with a hundred to go at the earliest. I think if you want to win this stage, coming out of a wheel, not going with two hundred to go. Then you got no chance. So yeah, Demar gets. He was there. His leadout man kind of went went missing. Then Bora moved up. Um, Alpes and Phoenix were nowhere for Philipson, which was super weird. I thought they'd burn guys too early, uh, getting in breaks, etc. Bora Hansgrohe had a much better lead out, I thought, for Pascal Ackerman today. With was it Jordi Mayus? I think. Yep. Um, Today for Ackerman, he's leading Ackerman out. Damar is trying to follow his lead out man and he's like second wheel. Ackerman's fourth wheel and Pedersen is fight is coming up the inside. Sturvin, I think Benji's trying to bring Pedersen up the inside because a slightly right-hand bending finish. So Sturvin's kind of bringing Pedersen up a dead end because when FDJ's lead out man finishes his, his, his uh, pull, He's going to just stop on the barriers and then everyone's going to be sprinting to the left of him. But Sturvin's trying to sprint into that space. And so DeMar just boxed in Sturvin's second wheel. Mads Pedersen was then boxed in by literally every sprinter in this race. Oh, he's got the barrier on his right, Cockard Bennett to his left. He's got nowhere to go. DeMar starts sprinting pretty early following Jordi Mayus and Ackerman who've moved up to his left-hand side in, this, in the open space in this curving finish. Bennett then follows Ackerman. He, Cockard was trying to fight for the wheel of Ackerman or DeMar, I think. Bennett takes that wheel off Ackerman uh, or DeMar. Yeah, takes that wheel off Ackerman yep. and then starts sprinting to Ackerman's left pretty late. DeMar had already been sprinting on the inside because his lead-out man had gone you know, dropped him off way too early um, and he was clearly like going at different speed to Bennett. Pedersen got boxed in behind DeMar and could only open up when the barriers opened up really late in the last 50 to 75 and couldn't really get going and get a good run of it. And Bennett on the hoods, going the outside with no really, not a good lead out today, did it all himself, absolutely smoked everybody, like different different level. And I said it on the preview, he is the best like yep. bunch sprinter out of these guys, um, and if you want to beat him on a stage like today, you got to make it hard for four hours, not just thirty minutes. Um, so, did I misremember any of that sprint, Benji? I'm trying to do that all off the top. Um, That's is there any other? Yeah, but um, I think that there were like two, a few riders that kept barging each other. I think Demar lost quite a bit of his speed when he started like shouldering a Trek rider. I think the lead out of Trek at that point. Think, yeah, Steven. He lost quite a bit of of speed there and I think that instigated already that he had to put that extra mile into actually launching from a, a much lower speed than the rest and I think on the opposite side of the road Kokar was doing the same to someone else and nah, Bennett was, Bennett, yeah. oh, Kokar was ducking in trying to get Ackerman's wheel off Bennett I think and Bennett was like nah uh, I think it was I, I think I'm talking about a different situation but I can't go into it because I don't remember it fully but either <laughs> way like we, we spoke about it at the UAE Tour, we explained how Bennett and Ewan are the best sprinters in the world, and the situation of the race makes one more consistent than the other, and the fact that Bennett has Merku makes Bennett have the 
best position for a sprint more consistently than the likes of a Ewan. But that also goes in comparison to everybody else. But today, Marku did bring him to the front, but the entire last kilometer was basically Bennett having to burn himself into a good position there. And I think he he chose the right wheel this time. He chose Akamon. Akamon was basically dying in the wheel of Jordi Meos, like, genuinely. He, yeah, he didn't have anything left, and perhaps they should switch it around. Jordi Meos for the sprint. Belgium would like it. <laughs> what was the sprint where Akamon... I think it was... No, it was the ITV video, Benji, I did on Parini Stage 2 last year where Shaklin and Sagan got in. They caused the echelons, and then they brought Ackerman with them, and then they, they rode the finals for Ackerman instead of Sagan, who was like on... Sagan was on good form before lockdown. He was like flying, okay? And he they rode for Ackerman in the finish, and Ackerman, Sagan leads him out and then gets out of the saddle for four seconds and then has to sit down. And then it's Olo one. And it was similar today. It just it seems like it's either he's jumping way too early, the lead out's not working, or then it, the lead out, you gotta say for Jordi Mayus was fine, I thought. Yep. It's better better than better than before. And um he just couldn't get out of the saddle. So maybe he's the fitness isn't quite there on a harder stage than expected. Um and it kind of reminded me of that UAE tour sprint, Benji, where Merku, not the one Merku led Bennett out really well. I think it was stage four where they had the bend and Bennett just picked the right side of the road. He picked with the curve. He picked yep. the open side to the left, kept that side open for himself. And, you know, it's not about just having the, the best legs. Maybe Pedersen would have been super quick on this finish, uh, but he got blocked for like 100 metres of the last 200. So you're not going to win from that position. Uh, had to stop and start a sprint and slot soft pedal a few times. So good positioning from Bennett, good heads up sprinting, and he's also way better than these guys as well. But now yep. let's get – I'll just read out the results for completeness for everybody. Sam Bennett first, Arno DeMar second. I thought Pedersen was going to pip him on the line actually. Pedersen third, Phillipson fourth, Cockard fifth. Still quite nice from Cockard actually. Ackerman sixth, Bauhaus seventh, Christophe Laporte Eight. Maybe it was Laporte that was doing the argy-bargy with Cockard, Benji. Greipel, ninth, ahead of Rudy Barbier, his teammate, tenth. They got to change that up. Yeah. Anthony Turgis, eleventh. Degenkolb, twelfth. Damien Touze, thirteenth. And then apparently Roglic and co. were caught behind that crash and lost time on paper, but that's going to get rearranged with the three-kilometer crash rule. So I don't think any of the GC contenders will have lost time today, apart from obviously Port's abandonment. Um, Israel Benji, you think it's been nice letting, you know, it's, it's like when the Boston Celtics in the first possession of the game in like 2008 would put Kendrick Perkins in the post and let him, let him shoot. So he'd have a chance at touching the ball on offense and then he'd be happy for the rest of the game. Have Israel startup nation given Garoppolo enough, enough chances so far this season, now it's time to be like, okay, come on, we've got to try something else, someone younger, someone that actually is, can be third or second. The thing is, for the sprint, Zabel was the lead out ahead of Greipel and Barbier was in the wheel of Greipel before the sprint started. <laughs> so really? it looks like they just both sprinted, which is basically doing a Wanty in a Grand Tour because Wanty kept doing that a few years ago, if I recall correctly. But like, yeah. Well, Israel did that too at San Juan, didn't yeah, they? I f- it feels like it right now because... Rudy Barbier has done some pretty good sprints last year at San Juan, but like right now, he sprinted from the wheel from Greipel. But if positioning is so great and you're in the in the wheel of Greipel, 
a rider that has issues staying in the right position these days, just energy-wise, it seems. And you're not going to make it to a good position to sprint. So Barbier should not be following Greipel if that was the case, because I'm just going off what I remember of the race right now on that aspect. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird because um, I actually think Israel Startup Nation's lead-out train is, is really good. It's actually really good, Benji. Like they, for the guys they've got on the team, they present right at the front of these races, um, and yeah, I think they've got to try something different. I mean, Greipel ninth. I mean, no, it's not that good, is it? Like, <laughs> they, they, like I was gonna, you know, it's all right, but oh, I don't got think second today. We can't yeah, really celebrate exactly. a ninth by Greipel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that's something to look at, and I think they should ch- try and change it up because um, I do think they got people who can. I think Rudy Barbier might not be as consistent; like he just might not get the top tens. But I think he can randomly get like a top three on a, on a sprint yeah. stage out of nowhere. So I think that's better to shoot for, you know, and and is better for morale than uh, what's happening currently. Anything else from this stage, Benji? You like the parkour, like the design? I think it was quite an interesting sprint stage um given that there were bonus seconds on offer for certain riders and it wasn't just a straightforward sprint yeah i think we'll uh we'll just in general see a lot of sudal take on a bit of a different role than we usually expect in sprint stages because Ewan is not here so chilbert attacking oldani attacking that's the stuff we'll see and i think they might keep doing that for the next couple of days but i don't think it's really going to decide the stages otherwise i think if it's a sprint stage the plethora of teams that are having sprinters here are going to decide that it's sprint stage if it's a sprint stage on paper. So uh, I believe that the majority of sprint stages are actually going to be sprint stages here and not going to have a an attack take uh, take charge here and differ that. So uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if those attacks by a lot of Sedal will work. But either way, I think that's roughly it for today, isn't it? Uh, stage two tomorrow, as Benji said, it looks to be a sprint stage on paper. It will be a sprint stage on paper because the weather is not supposed to be too windy. Enville sur Montier to Amélie, 188 Ks, pretty much flat, and the finish is flat, but for a little riser in the last three, four Ks, it shouldn't bother people too much. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Benji there, and that's pretty much all for today. I'm worried about John Degenkolb. He's not looking too good, uh, and I think back in the day he would have been going well on a finish such as this, but, uh, yeah, father time is it's coming to everybody and it's it's a new era that's all right that's all for today pardon that's a dark tone (laughs) (laughs) i know i've just felt sad about port and then gilbert's attack and lotto sadal and it's like back in the day think about it benji if this was 2015 I don't know why this is such a long dead and cold point. 2015, you'd be like, Gilbert, oh, you got to watch him on the last intermediate sprint climb. Everyone's got to take that really seriously. Now everyone's like, oh, isn't it nice that Gilbert's out in front for once? And <laughs> then in the finish, everyone would be like, oh, uphill drag like this, John Degenkolb on a up and down stage, you got to watch out. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I hope he gets there. And maybe they're just focused on the cobble stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm being too dark. And Benji, he wants to go. Uh, and watch GP Industrial Highlights, I think, and I do too. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for the coughs, we the podcast. Ciao. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.